0: Amen. I tell you what, some people have been given a talent by the Lord, like Monty. Some of us who don't preach. And so, amen. That was a blessing. One of my favorite songs. Amen. Uh, tonight, if you have your Bibles and you would, find with me Matthew, the 14th chapter. And if you're taking notes tonight, and I hope that you will, the title is What to Expect When God Begins to Work. What to expect when God begins to work. So many times we think if God would just work in my marriage, or if God would just begin to work in our church, or if God would just begin to work in my life, every problem would disappear. And tonight I want you to know that God is willing to work in the life of any person, any marriage, and any church if we are willing for Him to work. For his glory and not ours. You say well Jake what about Jonah? God worked in Jonah's life even though Jonah didn't want him to. You know why God worked in Jonah's life? Was well, not for Jonah. It was for Nineveh. You say well, what about the apostle Paul? God forced him to serve him and, and found him on the Damascus road. God didn't just do it for Paul. He did it because Paul was going to be the apostle to the Gentiles. People like you and I. And so when God begins to work, it is never for your glory or for my glory or this church's glory. It is always for Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who was slain for the sins of the world. And so tonight I want to talk to you about what to expect when God begins to work. And I pray that that's what you want in your life, for God to be at work. Like Shelly just said, that she's thankful for God at work in her life. I'm thankful that God still works in our lives. Amen? Okay, I'm glad that God still works in his church. And so tonight I want to hopefully show you that God will work if you and I will approach him in the right way. I don't know about you, but I've had the privilege of baptizing a lot of people since I've been the pastor here, and I really surely and prayfully hope That it happens more in the future than it has in the past. Amen? I hope that we see more people saved in the future than we have in the past. I pray that God would heal more people in the future than he has in the past. I pray that God saves more marriages in the future than he has in the past. Amen. And so tonight, what you have agreed with me, which amen just means you agree. And so it always amazes me when a preacher says, And Jesus Christ, I'm so thankful for him dying for my sins and saving me. And all of God's people say, nothing. (laughs) Because it's just an agreement. And so if you didn't know what amen was for, that's what it's for. And so hopefully tonight you will be able to agree with not what Jacob Gray says, but what the Word of God says. And so if you would, pray with me, and we're going to jump right in. Father, tonight I know that, Lord, our only hope is you. And, Lord, our only hope for reaching this community, Lord, the only hope for raising a generation of youth and children to love you, Lord, is you. And, Lord, in a day and age when churches and believers, Lord, are being led astray by so many worldly things, I pray today that you would put your presence and your power at work in this church. Lord, to do great and mighty things for your glory and your glory alone. Lord, I ask for forgiveness for any sin that has come into my life or heart throughout the day, Lord, that you would give me the words to say tonight for your people. And Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes tonight, and I hope that you will, the first thing I want you to write tonight is that God's power will be at work If his presence is acknowledged. God's power will be at work if his presence is acknowledged. Look here in verses 34 through 36. When they had crossed over. We just looked a few weeks ago about Jesus calming the storm. When they had crossed over they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place. What? Recognized him or knew him, or acknowledged that he was Jesus. They sent out into all the surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Tonight, I hope that you see in this text that there is something important that happened. Jesus appeared many places in his ministry. Some places he went and said, I'm not going to do miracles here because of your unbelief. But he shows up on the shore. He shows up in this area and they what? acknowledge that that was Jesus that that Jesus had power that he had the ability to heal the sick that he had the ability to give sight to the blind he had the ability to cleanse the leper and they knew something they recognized and acknowledged that Jesus could work and tonight if you want to see God at work in your life and in this church you have to go from just believing it in your heart and in your mind and in your life to a point where it leads you to action you see I just asked if you would believe that you wanted more people to be saved and God to work and God to move and you amen and amen and it, for some of you it looked painful I just want you to know that it was painful to get that out of you but yet you have acknowledged that yes that's what I want yes I believe that could happen but these men went from recognizing him to what? to going to going to where the sick were and the hurting were and the broken were and brought Them to Jesus. You see, tonight, if you really believe that God can bring back the prodigal, if you really believe that God can save the lost, if you really believe that God can heal the sick, you have to go from just believing it to applying it to your life and to mine. That means I have to go from just believing that Jesus Christ died upon the cross for my sins and yours, from sitting here to telling people that are what? Lost. If you really believe that God can heal the sick, the Bible says, let those who are sick come before the elders of the church and anoint them and pray over them. If you believe that God can heal the sick, you ought to be praying for God to heal the sick. You see, these men could have acknowledged Jesus and just went on about their way. They could have said, this is the, the man that we've heard all this about, and it's amazing that he's here, but we're too busy We've got too many other things playing on. We've got so many other things to worry about. But they didn't. You see, Jesus' power would have been there whether they recognized it or not. And don't miss this. Jesus' power was with him whether they recognized it or not. But the only reason that he used it was because they acknowledged him and what? Brought those who needed a touch. You say, Jake, you mean that God only works when we want him to? No, that's not what I said. But I want you to hear what Jesus said in John 14, verses 11 through 14. Believe me, Jesus is telling them, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the work themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do what? And greater works. Now, I didn't put that in there. But I've been a Baptist a whole long time. I've been a Baptist my whole life. I started out generally Baptist and now I'm Southern Baptist. But I've been a Baptist my whole life. And I can tell you that I have seen very little of what God can do. And that's, that's, that's not a a slap to Baptists, it's not a slap to anything, but I really do believe that we have begun to become a people that had limited God, that said, well, God can't do this, or God won't do this, or God doesn't do this, but yet what he says here is, truly, truly, he's calling your attention to this, it's something very important, or your King James Bible probably says, verily, verily. I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do. Now what has happened is Jesse and Clef- Creflo and the heretics on television who want your money have used this verse to support whatever kind of heresy they've wanted. And so Bible-believing people have stepped away from this and said, We can't even talk about it. We can't even address it. The church is cold and dead, and that's because God wants it that way. And friends, I'm here to tell you tonight that God does not want a cold, dead church. Read the book of Revelation. He doesn't want a lukewarm church. He doesn't want a church that thinks about its own power and own strength and own ability. But tonight you have to believe that God wants and is willing to work in your life and in your marriage and in the lives of the people that we love. Because it goes on and says, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, don't miss this, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask for things that glorify Jesus. Now that's the key. You say, Jake, I ask for a million dollars all the time. If you ain't got it, it's because God doesn't think you're going to glorify Jesus with it. You say, well, Jake, I, I asked God for a healing in my life. You didn't get it because God didn't think that's what would glorify Jesus the most. You see, but I think and I believe that when God's people pray for people to be saved, It glorifies Jesus. When you and I pray that God brings the prodigal who is saved home, that that glorifies Jesus. And so we've got to begin to change the way we pray. Not because it's a genie and God responds to our every request, but when we pray for what glorifies Jesus. Look what it says in verse 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, before you think I'm a heretic, you have to tie that back to verse 13. Anything that you ask that will glorify Jesus is what he's talking about there. You say, well, Jake, I I just don't agree with that. I I don't think that's what it means. That's exactly what it says. If it glorifies Jesus, Jesus said, I will give it. And so God's people, you and I, have to get back to a place where we are not praying for the foolish things of this world. And I mean this with no disrespect. Physical issues are important. And physical situations can be used by God. But friends, if we spent as much time praying for the spiritual condition of the people in our families as we did for Aunt Bertha's stubbed toe, I believe the church would be vastly different. Prayer request time is always 4% spiritual, ninety-six percent physical. And that's got to change. God can be glorified in healing. And I believe that. And I believe God heals. But you know what? God can also be glorified when he gives you the perseverance to endure the trial. And so if God's people, us, would begin to get along with him and say, God, we believe and we're praying that you would save this person in our family. Lord, we believe that you can bring that prodigal home. God, I'm going to shed tears, I'm going to weep, I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe, God, that it brings you glory to save the person in my family. That's where we have to get again. That's what Jesus says. That's why they said, that's him, we've acknowledged him, and we're going to bring those people to him that need him. God's power will be at work if his presence is acknowledged. Second thing I want to show you is this. God's power will be resisted by those who don't know Him. God's power will be resisted by those who don't know Him. Look in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 15. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Him saying, What do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now, don't miss this. These men had followed Jesus from Jerusalem to argue with him about washing hands. Not about the fact that the sick were just healed. Not about the fact that those who had no hope had been given hope. They didn't want to come and celebrate the miracles that Jesus did. They came to argue with him about what tradition said about washing your hands and don't miss this because what we think of is the world but these were the religious leaders of the day and I have been in church long enough to see more nitpicking and more well this person doesn't do it exactly like I do or this person believes just a little bit different than I do or maybe we shouldn't do things just exactly like this to know that most churches And most Christians spend more time arguing about hand washing, which I believe you should wash your hands, amen? And so um, the old joke, you come out of the bathroom and your hands are wet and say, oh, I forgot to wash my hands. That's just a joke, all right? Don't do that to people. But what we see here is so many times when God begins to work, and it'll happen here. No church is immune. No child of God is immune. We begin to nitpick. And we begin to poke and we begin to prod and we begin to question. And I want to just read to you what the commentators, my commentary says about washing hands and their tradition of it. Good Jews were expected to perform ritual hands washing, perform during and after each meal. A person would first pour water over his hands with the fingers pointing up. And when the water reached the wrist, then he would point the fingers down and pour the water again this time allowing the water to drip off the fingers. If one mixed up this order or poured water both times with the hands pointed down or up, then the hands were ritually unclean. Each hand had to be rubbed with the other, but this could not be done until the other hand was clean. To neglect the first and the third washing was considered a serious sin, possibly a deadly one. Such washing was not prescribed in the Old Testament Was a tradition that had passed down to first century Jews by their elders. Hands up, hands down, wash them this way and then together. Can you imagine that? They had just seen crippled men able to walk. They had just seen the sick and the blind healed. And all they could think about was, do you have dirty hands. Friends, I want to warn us tonight as a church. I've got a lot of friends that are Christians. I've got a lot of friends that are pastors. I got a lot of friends that, 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 that think they know everything about the Christian faith. And what I can tell you here is they make themselves to be Pharisees and Sadducees so quickly. When We just need to be celebrating what God is doing. That doesn't mean we abandon the scriptures, but God's power will be resisted by those who don't know him. Listen to what John says in the sixth chapter, verses 28 and 29. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do, so that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to him, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Friends, tonight, we might not agree on everything. We might not always have the exact same beliefs about everything. The little things, the minor things, the tradition of things. But friends, we must believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We must believe that if we want to see God's power and working in our life, we have to let the little things fade away. We have to get off the arguing and the fighting and the disagreeing and the the debates. And if Christians would just read their Bibles as much as they read everything else that is put out by Christian writers who are trying to make a living, the church would be so much better off. The Bible says that this book will never return void. The Word of God will never return void, but yet I want to read everything except for this book. I'm not talking about secular reading. I'm talking about books about this book. Friends, I want to challenge you to read this book, to spend time in this book. To pray, Spirit, I know that you can show me what it means. I know that you can show me what it says. And dive in. Dive in at like a a fat kid in a candy store, okay? I mean, just jump in. Me at a buffet, however you want to look at it. And just dig in to the Word of God. I'll get an email about that one. You You can guarantee that. That won't go over well. But this book, the Word of God. Spend time studying it. You will not believe how many times I'll hear people say things like, well, the Bible doesn't say that. One that I hear all the time is about tithing. The New Testament doesn't teach tithing. It just teaches giving. Well, you're wrong. Matthew 23, verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anisee and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done. He literally says tithing is what you ought to do. You're supposed to do that without leaving the others undone. He says you're supposed to tithe on these things, but don't miss this other stuff that is important as well. The mercy, the grace, the faith, the heart issue behind it. But yet I had seminary professors teach me. There's nowhere in the New Testament that it teaches that it's all right to tithe, that you're supposed to tithe. And I didn't even, it didn't, right there it is. You ought to what? Tithe on these things. Now, this is not a sermon about money. It's a sermon about believing things that other people tell you that is not true. How about little kids? The one that you've probably heard the most is, what kind of fish swallowed Jonah? And every little kid says, a whale. A whale swallowed Jonah. But the Bible does not say a whale swallowed Jonah. It says it was a giant fish created by God. How many of you have ever had the question of what did Eve eat in the garden? And it was, in everyone's opinion, an apple. But yet the Bible does not say it was an apple. And those are little things, but yet there are so many people who base their theology and their beliefs and their interpretations on things that do not come from this book. And tonight, the only way that you will keep from grieving the Spirit of God and getting in the way of God is trying to do in your life is to get back to this book and to read it and believe it. The, the church needs to read the book of Acts. The church needs to read the book of Romans. The church needs to be reading and studying this book, being fed so that when the things of this world that come in here, when the things of religious hypocrites comes in here, we know that this is what the Bible says. And the third and final thing, which I've kind of led into this, is God's word must be our standard. And nothing else. I don't know if you know this or not, but I tell you to take notes for two reasons. One, so that you can study through the week. Now I know I'm not Dr. David Jeremiah, trust me. I'd rather listen to him than me too. But you could use it to study and to dig in deeper and, and to say, Oh, that's what that means, and that's what this means, and, and the second is to make sure that what I am teaching you is the word of God. Because friends, I am a a person. I am not infallible. I am not inerrant. I make mistakes. I misinterpret words. I don't get the right grammar and the the language always right every time. And so you need to be studying. Saying, is this the word of God? Am I being taught the word of God? That doesn't mean you have to agree with everything that I preach. We're all different flavors of ice cream. It's okay. But on the things that matter. The things that cannot be negotiated. You have to know what the Bible says. And why it says it. Because listen here in verses 3 through 9. He answered Jesus. I can't imagine how I would have answered someone wanting to argue about washing hands. But I'm not Jesus. I'd have been a whole lot more facetious probably. He answered and said to them. Why do you also transgress the commandment of God? Because of your tradition for god commanded saying honor your father and your mother and he who curses father or mother let him be put to death but you say whoever says to his father or mother whatever prophets you might have received from me is a gift to god then he need not honor his father and mother thus you have made the commandment of god of no effect by your tradition hypocrites well did isaiah prophesy about you saying These people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You see, Jewish law required, it did not suggest, it required that younger family members ensure the care of their aged loved ones. And at that day, they didn't have heritage woods. They didn't have a nursing home. That meant they were to financially care for them or to bring them into their home and care for them. But what happened is there were people who didn't want to do that. And so what the Jewish religious leaders of the day had decided was if you'll make an offering to the temple, that will keep you from having to care for your aged loved ones. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that means for the aged loved ones. I don't know if it was just their quality of care went down. I don't know if they just totally abandoned them. I don't know if they threw them out and allowed them to be beggars. I'm not really sure. I've studied it some, and there's a lot of disagreement. But what the religious leader says was, there's an opportunity to make money by taking advantage of people who don't want to care for their loved ones. And so we'll make it a tradition that as long as you give the money to the church, you don't have to care for them. And Jesus says, you have broken a commandment to honor your father and mother. You have disobeyed something that God's word says to make a little extra money on the side. He says, your tradition is sin. Your tradition violates God. And then he just flat tells them, hypocrites. Now, I might have been more facetious than Jesus, but I'm not near as bold as Jesus he just tells them, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you feel. When God's word says it, it is correct. And friends, as a church, we have to get back to that. I watched a documentary today on the decline of the Southern Baptist Convention. And parts of the Southern Baptist Convention that have abandoned the word of God. That are embracing things like critical race theory and Marxism and socialism and It broke my heart today that they're adding to the gospel. Friends, the gospel is all about saving you from your sin and changing your life so that when you leave this world, absent from the body, is present with the Lord. It's about changing you in a way that you love people and care about people and want them to be saved. But anything you add on top of that, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not even something that I would disagree with. But the simple truth is the gospel is this, that Christ died for sinners, that he was buried and that he rose again. And that comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. That's it. And so tonight, we as a church, we have got to get back to this belief that what the Bible says about things like marriage, what the Bible says about things like gender, what the Bible says about things like sin, what the Bible says about things like forgiveness and hope, that we have to come to a point where it doesn't matter what the world says, it doesn't matter what some religious leader says, it doesn't even matter what the Southern Baptist Convention says, what does the Bible say? I got some mm, but that's not an amen. Someone's dentures almost flew out or something. Amen! Mm, that's what it sounded like. You say, well, Jake, do you think it's really come to this? Jesus told them. Look in verse 8. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain they what? Don't miss this. Worship. It doesn't say they were slandering. It doesn't say they were living like heathens. It says they were what? Trying to worship God in a way other than His way. Friends tonight, I want you to know this. We can have church on Sunday morning and Sunday night, and I believe we should. I believe there's a biblical argument for meeting more often rather than less often. If you don't agree with me, there's a great big stone in the front yard up there Quoting Hebrews 10, verse 24, about meeting more often as the day approaches. I believe in meeting Wednesday night. I believe in having prayer meetings. I believe in having revival services. But I'm telling you, all of those opportunities can be done the wrong way for the wrong reason. And the wrong reason and the wrong way is for anything other than Jesus' glory, than for Jesus to be honored, Jesus to be elevated. I don't know if you know this or not, but when you come to worship, it's not just about the style. It's about the words that you are singing. And I am thankful that Jamie does a great job of leading us in songs that honor Jesus. I'm glad because you say, well, Jay, you know, I want a little bit more rock and roll. Or I want a little bit more piano, not as much drums. and Or, I, you know, I really like the new ones and the old ones. And, and look up here. I don't care what you think. All I care about is one thing. Does it honor Jesus? Does it make much of him? Is Jamie praying and spending time in the word of God with the Lord before he leads us? And if those things are going on, guess what? God will bless it. God will honor it. And I'm thankful for that. It might not always be the same way. As you know, I'm a hymn guy. It'd be five hymns, six hymns, and that'd be it. But you know what, I recognize that it ain't all about what I want. And guess what, it ain't all about what you want either. And so I pray for him. Lord, give him the wisdom to know what to pick and how to sing it and what volumes to sing it in. And all of those things. If he came in one Sunday and wore skinny jeans, I'd pray for something different, but he doesn't. And I'm thankful for that. But even if he came in wearing skinny jeans, I'd say, Lord, as long as he's prayed about it, long as it's modest. You know, as long as long you know, then I'd be okay with it. Friends, I'm telling you, we have lost people dying around us everywhere. We have people that are looking for hope that have none. Why do you think the televangelist and the crooked preacher on TV have such a following? It's because people are looking for hope. And friends, we have it. We have real hope that can change people's lives if we're willing to let God work and God do it. And not worry about the little things, but worry about Him. And so tonight I'm going to ask that you bow your heads with me for just a few moments before Janice and Jamie come. Tonight I want to, if you would, honestly tonight, with no one looking around, if you want God to work in your life, would you just raise your hand just a moment hands all over the building, not everyone and that's alright if you don't want God to work or if you're not comfortable raising your hand, that's that's fine how many has got someone in your life that's lost or that's running from God and you want God to bring back, would you just raise your hand amen you see those things honor God And if you and I tonight and tomorrow and the next night. We'll get along with God and say God I want you to work in a way that honors Jesus. Friends if that person dies lost they'll be Jesus is glorified in judgment. But as long as they're still living. As long as there's still breath in their lungs. It will honor Jesus to save them. And so tonight would you pray. For that name that you raised your hand for. Tonight will you find an altar. And say God. I want you to work in my life. Lord I want you to move in my heart. In my marriage. You say Jake that's not very fair. Asking us to raise our hands. And then for us to come. You're the ones that agreed. and So if we believe it. Why don't we put some feet. To our belief. Why don't we put some action. To our belief. But tonight if you're here. No one's looking around. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. If you are not 100% sure. That tonight if you were to die. And leave this world. That heaven would be your home. Tonight I want you to hear this. God will save you. If you'll ask. The Bible says. If you call upon the name of the Lord. You shall be saved. And so tonight if you leave here lost. It is not because God wants you to. It is because you have made that choice. The Bible says that if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Jake, what does that mean? One, it means you've got to admit that you are a sinner. That you have rebelled against God. That you have broken his laws and commands and been his enemy. You say, Jake, I've never broke his laws. Have you ever told a lie? Stole a piece of gum? Then you're a sinner. Tonight the Bible says that if you admit that you're a sinner, you have to believe something. Not that I can get you to heaven. Not that this church can get you to heaven. But that Jesus Christ died upon the cross for your sins. And that he was buried and he miraculously by the power of God raised from the dead. And he is alive. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. You've got to acknowledge that and believe it. And you've got to accept that free gift of salvation that he offers you tonight. Third and finally, it's an issue of the heart and the mouth. Tonight, would you confess, Jesus, I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is. And I want him to forgive me. I accept his free gift of salvation. Lord, come into my heart and life and save me. And tonight, friends, if you believed it and asked it, God will save you. But he won't force you. And so tonight, whether it's salvation or whether it's praying for that person in your life that needs a touch from Jesus, I want you to come and do business with God here in just a moment. And so if you would stand as we close in prayer and then Jamie's going to begin to sing. Father, tonight we pray that you would work in this place for your glory. Lord, so many people have acknowledged they want you to work in their life. Lord, so many people have acknowledged that there's someone in their life that needs to be saved, that needs to be brought back as a prodigal so tonight, Lord, I pray that you'd burden our hearts for those things, Lord, to honor Jesus in everything that we ask for. And so tonight I pray that you break our hearts, hear our prayers, and work for your glory and your glory alone. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking the Holy Spirit's been working. That I'd like to know more about Jesus I'm not sure if I've ever been saved Please reach out and contact us We would love to share the gospel with you Pray with you with whatever's going on in your life Or maybe you are a believer But yet you've got some spiritual battles That you've just not been able to conquer We'd love to join you in that battle So please reach out to us We would love and are waiting to hear from you May God richly bless you In Jesus' name